Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to the podcast, The Lotus Eaters, for the 23rd of January, 2023. I'm joined by Dan Hello. and Justin Nomad. Hello. Who is an economics writer and a dissident voice, should we say? Yeah, that's a fair description, I think. Yeah. And uh, today we are going to be talking about uh, Fed Front, because they're back, mm. uh, Blacksit, and the general state of the UK. I'm sure the UK is doing great, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it's fantastic. Also, data and evidence growth, good. everything. Good. <laughs> Where do you want to start? <laughs> I mean, we had 1.2 million immigrants at least. I've been told that that means growth. The more, the merrier. Yeah, line go up. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's begin. Yes, yeah, so this is going to be a bit of a follow-on segment to uh, to one that you were on, uh, actually, Carl. This uh, it was, was January 6th, an inside job. Now, uh, I'll, I'll quickly summarize it for those of you who haven't watched it. If you haven't watched it, you should go and watch it. But if you haven't watched it, the answer is yes. Um, so <laughs> following on from that, I mean, the, the, the key point, I mean, is that a fair assessment, Carl? Of- oh, yeah, totally. And the key point is the Ray Epps didn't get the punishment that everyone else got, even though he's the one on video literally yelling, get in. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. if he doesn't get arrested... Well, wasn't the leader of the Proud Boys, he wasn't even in the capital. No, he wasn't even in the city. Yeah. And he went to jail anyway. Yes. It's, yeah. it's, it's mad. So yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, anyway. So, the, I mean, the key part of this that stands out for me is going to be um, this bit. We got the, we got the fir- Can we play the first click with Vivek? Watch this and see what you make of this. So, the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot actually began as a plot to storm the capital in the state of Michigan. And you know how it started? It started was people at the FBI putting people up to this. Poor guys. One of them was actually supposedly getting hot water from a Mexican restaurant across the street. These are people who are not doing well in their life, who they've put up and cultivated with $5,000 credit cards with $5,000 limits to go buy munitions and otherwise to initially what began as a plot to storm the Capitol, but eventually ended up being a plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. A good number of the people who were captured here, like we're talking about a high proportion of them were absolutely federal informants. And yet the Detroit field office head, and they took that all the way to trial, several of the people at trial were, con- were acquitted on grounds of entrapment. One of the jurors at the end went to one of the defendants, just gave him a hug and apologized for what he had been through because the juror actually had to see what the FBI put these people up to. And you can't make this stuff up. In October of 2020, three months before January of 2021, guess who gets a promotion to be the D.C. field office head? Was none other than that Detroit field office head. And what do you have on January 6, 2021, three months later, is a storming of the U.S. Capitol. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's the key point. It's that's just remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, it was It was an FBI entrapment process all the way along, and then the guy who who was going to do an entrapment in, in Michigan suddenly got a promotion to uh, to D.C. Incredible. Yes, remarkable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's that. There's also the whole pipe bomb thing that just stinks. Yeah, well, I mean... Have we done a segment on that yet? Or? Well, we covered it last time. Oh, right. Very okay. briefly, there, yes. there was a pipe bomb at the Republican and Democrat headquarters in D.C. Yes. A very yeah. bipartisan terrorist. And, and, and you've seen footage come out since that shows the FBI just milling around it, letting families walk past it until the point where the robot turns up and then all of a sudden they take it seriously for the press. Yeah, and then the whole story disappears and the pipe bombs are never mentioned. Yeah. Exactly. All very strange. Yeah. So, um, look, there's... Something absolutely rotten at the FBI. Um, they uh, they have been entrapping people. Um, and look, I just want to make the point that um, I don't think it's an aberration. No, didn't didn't something like this happen with the 1993 World Trade Center bombing as well? 
I, I suspect this sort of thing has happened many, many times. I mean, Bo, our resident historian, has has serious questions about the Las Vegas shooters. Uh, I have serious questions the, about the, the, the Yeah, and the Oklahoma bombers yeah. as well. They uh, get like 500 pounds of gear up there. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Uh, quick reminder, this is who the FBI is. So so let, let's play this in the background. So this remember this weirdo, uh, Peter Strzok, this... He looks normal. Absolute lunatic. We, 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 I've, I've turned the sound off because you don't, you don't need to hear it. But th- this absolute lunatic um, is, is basically what the FBI is. And I, ra- and I raise him. I mean, he got, he got fired after this. He didn't get fired for being a lunatic. He, he got fired for taking the mask off in public. Yeah. But that, exactly. that is who the FBI is. Yeah, I mean, James Comey is pathologically anti-Trump. Yeah. So, I mean, you remember what he was like. Yeah. So why would I think that the FBI wouldn't have the influence of the command structure running all the way through it? Yeah. Of course I would. And and I, I think that guy is the classic example of what the FBI is. I mean, yes, there are going to be some good people. We've probably got some people watching this who are going to say, oh, I've got an uncle who works at the FBI. I've got an uncle who works at the FBI. Yeah, what does he do? Well, he manages Twitter. Yeah. Well, seventy I mean, FBI he, agents at Twitter. You know? Well, he, well he, he might be a good guy, but he's not getting promoted, and he's yeah. and he and he's not going to be in the inner circle. But the inner circle are pathological people like this. That's, that's exactly who they are. I'll tell you who who understood exactly what the FBI was. Ron Paul. Let's watch this. Oh. You know, most of our history, we didn't didn't have those institutions. The FBI came in uh, during the First World War, and. Interestingly enough, one thing that Woodrow Wilson did, he used the FBI to spy on American citizens and actually arrest them if they disagreed with his foreign policy about going to war in Europe. And isn't it interesting how recent they used it in the Vietnam era? Democrats used it there. Republicans used the FBI to spy on a hundred different groups in this country, including the churches, who disagreed with the policy in uh, Central America, it almost looks like the FBI was designed to spy on Americans who might be disagreeing uh, with policy, especially the foreign policy. Yeah, so I mean, Based Ron on Paul. Yeah, oh, it's it's such a he shame. Still win. Such a shame. Yeah, it is. If, like if, if if he had become president back in whatever it was his first run, two thousand eight, yeah, things would be very like, very different. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They would, yeah. And I think into the Franklin Roosevelt administration as well, they were used to spy on unions. I think even Henry Ford um, did that as well. And uh, that eventually became, I think, some of the early blueprints for the CIA as well. So the history of FBI yeah. and infiltration is Not good. legendary, notorious, isn't it? But, but, so. but this is my point. My point is that the FBI is the American Gestapo. Yeah, that, that, that is what it is. It is a secret police force used to spy on American people. It just the only difference between them and the Gestapo is they got much better PR. Mm. Is that even up for debate? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's like they 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 put themselves in the movies, in in TV shows. So it, when when somebody thinks of the FBI, they're probably thinking of Mulder and Scully. Yeah, but but no, it's it's Peter Strzok. Mm. That that is that is the exact character you want to be going from. But they, but they are they are a secret police now. What, what might a secret police be helpful for? So, so I think that... Purging dissidents. Uh, well, that, that's, that's certainly one. But I, th- I think the US has got a bit of a problem in that it has a supply and demand problem in neo-Nazis. Yeah. Um, in that the demand for neo-Nazis is considerably higher than the actual supply. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you have a uh, massive supply and demand problem? Well, I know what the government likes to do. They, they do something called a market intervention. Mm. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, which is which when you intervene in the market to correct the supply and demand imbalance. I, I like approaching uh, this issue <laughs> through the lens of economics. It does explain quite a lot. Well, we got we got two economists on the panel, so I yeah. thought I thought why not why not frame it like that? Now, how how do they how do they ramp up the amount of neo Nazis? You might think it's quite easy because at the moment we're we're subsidising um, neo Nazis in Ukraine to the sub to the tune of, of many billions. Good so you point. think they you think they could just go and get them, but no, they've decided to uh, they've decided to gin up their own and enter patriotic front. So let's have a look at this. Uh so th- this tweet, I mean J- J- Jesse sort of nails it there. The story isn't that these guys are fed. Everybody knows that by now. The story is as uh so often uh, why would the feds run an operation like that? Can we can we click into the video? Can can we do that? So um this is basically um these guys who pop up every so often. Uh, and sort of march around in their, well, what is basically an FBI uniform, the khaki pants and the and the blue jacket. They've just taken the, the letters off the back. So what I love about this is yeah. that this, you, think about Antifa. These are like the anti-Antifa, the, the, the negative image of Antifa. Yeah. This is what Antifa wants to exist in order for them to justify acting like yeah. in the conditions of the 1930s in Germany. Yeah. Yep. They want the organized black shirts or brown shirts or blue shirts in France. Or they want this organized fascist um, uh, institution to be able to deploy men on the streets so they can go and punch Nazis. They can fight them in the streets. They can be heroic. They can have their battle of Cable Street. Mm. You know, oh, I was there. I fought the Nazis. I'm yeah. such a hero because that's their only paradigm for heroism yes. is fighting Nazis. But the problem that they have is, of course, Americans just aren't like that. Mm. The Americans, it's Trump's guys. It's the MAGA crew. It's the boomers who like their guns, who like their freedom, who like Israel. You know, it's it's very like normal, like Americanism. And this doesn't look like Americanism. Mm. That's the no. thing. The, 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 the great thing about the Americans is they come from like the Anglo tradition of do it yourself. And so they've got all their sort of stickers on their bumpers. They've got, you know... Uh, effervescent Americanism that pours out of them. Yes. You see at the Donald Trump rallies, they all look slightly different and everyone's got their own individual thing. It's not regimented and organized like this. We've heard of manufactured demand. This is like manufactured supply. Yes, noise. exactly. So, yes. You know, bridge the equilibrium. Yeah. 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 And so th- this is why everyone looks at that and goes, well, I don't see myself in that at all. That doesn't look like a representation of America. That's not America being made present mm. in the streets. Whereas when you see MAGA out, you know, yeah, Cheering for well, Donald Trump—that actually does look like it. the 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 opposite of um, Antifa is is basically a family where where um, you know mum bakes and you know well, dad works out and the, the, there's two ways of looking at it. Like that's that's not like a different paradigm, is it? But what they want is an ideological enemy that yes. is organized and and operates in the same way that they do, and yep. they can't get one, and that's what yep. the feds are producing for them. Yeah. So let's uh, just a quick another quick thing is where is Antifa? You never see Antifa attacking these guys, right? You never see it because you would think, okay, great. No, no, no. You've got your fascists. There they are. They're right there. They're literally saying, hey, we're Nazis, guys. Let's let's go out and march. Well, go on, Antifa. Well, it's not even the absence of that. It's the absence of any counter-protest when these guys go out. So let's have a look at this. Emir King here, I don't know who that is, but he he makes a good point. He said, I've spent years in prison surrounded by white supremacists. You couldn't get them to cover their faces if you tried. They aren't ashamed at all. They're extremely proud of their views. That's why it's called white pride, not white shame. There's only one reason why all of these guys have their faces covered. And those of you who are listening, it's basically cut. It, it, we've got a video of them on, on the train on the train on the way there. Yeah. 
Um, and they've all got their faces covered apart from the the apparent uh, leader guy. So just a quick thing as well. Let's talk about the apparent leader guy, right? One of the, so there are a bunch of these types of organizations. There's one in Florida yeah. where the they, they went out literal Nazis and it, they seem to be led by Satan himself. Do you remember <laughs> the guy in the red and black yeah. suit? Yeah. And he's marching around like he's a drill instructor, incident, yeah. like he's a drill sergeant, um, performing. And he's the only one with his face out. It's like, okay, well, who is he? How can he not have any social media presence? You know, yeah. how is it that the Antifa aren't aware of these guys? How is it that yeah. they, they don't, they're not on Twitter saying all of the things they say? And they have what essentially looks like a theater kid yes. at the front. Mm. He is fantastic at performance. Yeah. And, you know, as people who do presenting for a living, you get to see the yes. tells. You see the tells of someone who's been trained yeah. to communicate with people. And these guys communicate brilliantly apart from all the ones in the base it's just the one guy at the front who is like the drill sergeant theater kid of this little production well, well speaking very of, suspicious speaking of military precision let's go to the next one because that that for me um was, was also telling so this is basically um them after their little protest watch the precision to which they bug out now yeah you imagine you go on a protest with your mates. You'd break off into groups. You'd have a chat. You'd be slapping each other on the back. You know, go for you, a beer. Yeah, go for a beer. That's what but, we did at the freedom rallies. We but look at this. Beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but look at this. These guys, there's no talking to each other. They know exactly that all of the equipment goes in one pickup. And then basically we can, well, let's, let's see if I can. It's all very yeah. neatly coordinated. Yep. And they, again, no talking. Um, they all know where they're going. They, um, can we pause know, they, it a second? Sorry. Can we pause it? Yeah. Right. Go, go back a little bit. Just because is that is there anything on the license plate of that car? No, the license plates are blank. Right. Because I noticed that on the other one as well, from yep. the other angle. The cars all seem to have nothing on the license plates. Is yep. there any chance that, I don't know, Nick Fuentes or Tommy Robinson could go and organize a protest with cars with no license plates on them? It seems unlikely, doesn't it? Hardly it, get out of the driveway before. Uh, Yep. would apprehend you, yeah. And, and, yet, and yet they do this in the capital or in New York, you know, very secure areas. Broad, Not, light, broad daylight, no yep. problem. But also Let's incredibly left-wing areas. No leftists yep. harassing them. No yep. police harassing them. It's yep. like, I'm sorry, that just does not happen. Mm. And if and if you want, I mean, we, let, let, I mean, let, let's let's go on a bit. But basically, what what you see is they all group, they all go into groups of three and four. They know exactly what vehicle they're going to. They don't talk to each other. They all get in. When the last one gets in, the whole line of them take off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very precise. I mean, and then, like you say, we we went to the freedom protests, the anti-lockdown protests, yep. and it wasn't like that in the slightest. It was chaotic. Yeah, chaotic. It was un. People broke broke off to go to the pub, or yeah. you know, some groups went off to get a train. But it was not it was not military precision like this. So there, uh, there wasn't someone in charge of it. There is someone in charge of this. Yes, these people have been drilled to do this. Yes, yes. So um, you know, let's go to the the next one, uh, the, the Mr. Reagan tweet. Mr. Um, uh, Reagan has a good take on this. He, he points it out. Look, the the guy leading this, he has, he has zero charisma. Uh, no one would ever join a, a group that he's leader of. That, that's worth making the point. So, so let's click into this video and just listen a little bit to this this little chap who is apparently in charge. New York has been in the news quite a bit lately. Around 300 communists tried to shut down all the bridges around Manhattan this month to advocate for Palestine along the continued communist goals of turning this country into a collage of brown-black slums in which everyone is perfectly equal in their squalor. So we, we, can, we can kill the sound on that, but you, you sort of get the idea. So, yeah. so this guy, country. who looks a bit like an extra from Fraggle Rock, 
is apparently um, the alpha male leading all these six foot one gym bros that he's got lined up behind him. Now, you know, if if you are, um, you know, a liberal woman or a beta male, just just check in with a man. That that is not the sort of dude you follow. But also, what's interesting is it's just highly ideological speech that he's yes. giving us here. Um, if you just look at the way, I mean, his name is Rousseau, which is yes. interesting. Yes. And he's giving a very, very ideologically laden speech. He's using yes. lots of um, particular formulations that aren't the, the sort of way a person would describe the lived experience of their own lives. Mm. What he's describing is something very abstract and that draw you inexorably towards a certain goal. Yes. So now I'm not saying that such a thing obviously doesn't or can't exist. Uh, it's just when you put it into the tapestry that we have been presented with, if you were going to create a Nazi front, it would look a lot like that. Everything he says is like if you went to chat GPT and said, please write me a white supremacist exactly manifesto. Exactly right, yeah. Exactly. It's like so on the nose. It's so something from a miniseries or something. Yeah. Like it's acted and scripted and yeah. coordinated exactly. and directed. And even but, the video that's been uploaded is just seems yeah. Yeah. too smooth for a protest. But, 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 but I mean, just, just on the point of the guy himself, that is real... I mean, if if there was a Patriot Army, you could see him maybe being a second lieutenant put in charge of the convicts, maybe. the Diggler, the Treens. But that guy, that guy is not a general. Yeah, he, he's just some kid um, who's put on a hat and a pair of sunglasses and has got people lining up behind him. Now, I don't think that everybody behind him is a Fed. In fact, I think probably very, very few of them are directly on the on the Fed payroll. But I think a lot of them are informants, associates, hangers-on. And more importantly, it's basically just a big honey trap mm. yeah, oh yeah. To, to, to get people in. But I mean, right, the, yeah, for yeah. another Charlottesville or yeah. something. Uh, well, that's what they want, ideally. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Well, what they ideally want is, is, is another... Um, Jan 6 although that's starting to fall apart basically an excuse as to you know why they can ramp up the controls maybe even cancel the election or, or whatever it is absolutely yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go to the next just one just a quick one the thing is as well a lot of people say well hang on I'm you know a lot of like very uh, the, the people online that he's trying to appeal to will say well I kind of agree with what he's saying and that is the point yeah that's the point oh, yeah. it's literally the chat GPT speech right what do the Nazis online think <laughs> Yes. Write me a speech that'll appeal to them. You could literally do it yourself right now. Yes. And that's what he's the, the reason that he, he's saying these things in this way. You know, and again, a very, very, very polished speech yeah. there. He's obviously practiced that. That is not spontaneous. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he genuinely thinks that he is the leader of a movement. I mean, he might just be some patsy who who's lined up and is just all of a sudden surprised to find yeah. all these guys lining up behind him. Uh, what I bet yeah. is that the, the guys with the masks may well be non-feds but the guy at the front just like satan himself leading the other one they've got their faces on display which means they are protected by the power because otherwise right. the fbi would be able to find them and that yeah. means that this pe this person will probably give them like a new identity or something like that you know well i I, I, I suspect i suspect it's, it's probably the other way around that him and a, and a handful of the other ones are are, are just deluded fools um and it's and it's the guys in masks who are who are urging him do this do that the, the, the guys, I reckon the guys at the front, because they right. are brave enough not to wear the masks. I mean, if it was anyone else, the internet would find exactly who they are. Well, I've, I've, yeah, yeah, exactly. I've in every link, yeah. yeah. I've got a bit of that. So, so, so DC Drano here, he says there's two types of people who still wear masks, leftists and feds. I mean, Correct. same thing, really. <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean this, this, it's, it's, it's a honeypot for number one. 
Yeah. So we, we can dispute as to, as to what proportion of them are actually on the federal payroll. I think it's probably a reasonably small, a lot of these are, there'll be, there'll be dupes, there'll be informants. I mean, it, it, it could be that um, over half of them are associated with the Fed some way or another. Just a quick thing. Did they arrive in cars and then go on the train? Or oh, different. Train? Might, might have been different protests. Might have been different protests. Because I imagine it's quite hard to drive into... You know, c- c- central New York. I don't know. There was a guy who was saying he rammed the barrier, didn't he? And then he disappeared. Yes. He wasn't back. Yes. But I mean, you, you, you compare the energy of these guys to something like um, the Proud Boys. Yeah. You know, the, they never wore masks. Night and day. Yeah. These yeah. guys are trying too hard to yeah. draw attention to themselves at all or. Um, yeah. disturb the public peace. I mean I, I bet if you if you join the Proud Boys and you try to take a selfie of yourself with another Proud Boy like there would be a single one of them be like yeah sure but you I, you try joining one of these groups and taking a selfie yeah, yeah. of the faces of any of these guys and uh, yeah that's that's going to be right uh, actually some guy was unmasked just a quick thing that's that's another great point because you never see like unstaged footage of these groups as well do you Right. Well, we have got a little bit of that. Well, but it, a little bit of that coming up. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It, but generally, when there's like you know a sort of you know the Proud Boys March or something, yeah. there's loads of media. Yes. Lots of different angles. Yes. You are exactly. You know. You are right. Like this is all very like choreographed. Yeah. Choreographed. And, yes. and like like you were saying, like a like a movie. Or something. Yeah, nobody's around them at all. Like you would yeah. think they would at least be like watching members of the public. It's like they cordoned off the whole area around them. So okay. <laughs> yes. Do right, guys. We've got to get it. For the cameras, it yeah. feels very yeah artificial, and like hangers on as well. Mm. People who are not like as committed to the cause as these people, but still are interested and want to just tag after them. Where where yeah. are they? So actually, one guy did get his mask taken off. Um, and, <laughs> oh really? And, and and imagine who it was. It turned out that it was a fourth year political science major from a very liberal university oh, really? who was on a career pathway to joining the feds. Wow, who could have imagined? So. Yeah. Has he, he, he's an ultra left winger, and yet he decided to join Patriot Front. Wow! And, and he's and, Nazi, eh? And he's probably—I mean, he's a fourth-year student, so he's probably well into his conversations with the Feds. You know, they're like, "We'll, we'll pay for your education." Yeah, we'll pay for. Well, not now. Well, maybe, yeah. Yeah, he's not getting hired now because he, he let them take the mask off. But um, and look at the fear on his face as well. Yeah, because he knows he knows it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate, isn't it? Right. Um, wow, I love the way that the, we unmasked one of them. Oh yeah, who was he? A Fed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually, that 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 did happen. So uh, I'm deleting the video. No, no you're not going to touch no, my you're phone. Not, you're not taking the video of us. I look, my dude, mask down. I recognize you. Yeah, I know you do. So give me my phone. I'm deleting the video. Stuff. Oh, yes. so you. So, so so that was. Uh, you're video saving us. Fed. That's not acceptable. Yeah. So, so basically, some dude. Recognize one of them, yeah. Recognize that it was a Fed, and, and try to film him, and he got very uppity about that. So, so, so there's there's at least two suspicious uh, characters in, in in all of this. Um, now, I did check with the ADL, of course, uh, as as, right. as 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 a trusted source yeah. uh, to find out a little bit about this uh, this this Patriot Front. Yep. Um, according to the ADL. Uh, this group generates 82% of all reported hate incidents in, in America. Wow. That's a strong commitment to anti-Semitism. Yes. 82%. So, you know, they are, they are quite prolific, actually. They, 
you know, basically what they're saying was, is if this Fed front, uh, whatever it is, you know, didn't exist, um, there'd be only eighteen percent of the quantity yes. of, of far right. Yeah, yes, yeah, actions would. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, quite. Um, now apparently it, they they are responsible for uh, what is it three thousand nine hundred ninety two hate incidents uh, that occur in every state. Okay. So, because I mean, the U.S. government is is absolutely committed to the idea that uh, white supremacy is the biggest threat to America. It's the, it's the same here as well. Um, and to prove it, they've got a, an organization that is delivering four thousand incidents a year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you're right then, aren't you? Yeah. So, so yeah, good, good, good job. Um, th- this is their flag. Ah, really? It's got um, a faces on it. Yes. So the, that's how you know the fascists, you know. The, these American patriots are so patriotic; they've got a um, Italian, yeah, um, <laughs> fascist symbol. Yeah, they couldn't help themselves. That that's a bit that's a bit on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> just we just really want you to know that we're yeah. fascists. They say because because people who absolutely love apple pie and the Constitution, all they can really think about is, is, is Italian, Italian fascist. Italian fascist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Again, it, where's Antifa? Like they're literally, yes. Anyway, well, you never see them in the same place, do you? No, right, no. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit like a uh, He-Man and uh, Prince Adam, isn't it? But um, anyway, um, you say we don't have any unscripted uh, moments of them. Um, we did get an unscripted moment. Oh, this looks uh-huh. very unscripted. It doesn't yes. masks off. Where, where, <laughs> where we actually got to see what these people are like behind the scenes, um, and they absolutely accidentally did this and then published it accidentally anyway should we should we click into this one john fucking life liberty victory life liberty victory damn son that might be a cut that's a good take right there seek fucking high let's fucking go i can say that now that it's over i want to have my finger notice how you don't see any of their faces yep because if I was wearing one of those stupid face masks, the first thing I'd want to do is get it off my Rip face. Rip it off, yeah. 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 But they, oh, they take off their hats, and one of them takes off his glasses, and then they all go off the screen. Amazing. But a, but a couple of quick sig hiles for yeah. the camera oh, yeah. before, before, before yeah. they go off. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've got to come back to the key question in all of this. Why would the feds run an operation like Why? this? Why? Yeah, always. I, we bono, who benefits? I actually have an answer, right? Yeah. You can only LARP for so long. So you realize, hang on, maybe I'm enjoying this. Maybe they're enjoying <laughs> the brotherliness. Maybe, maybe the Fed has actually radicalized itself into becoming a bunch of Nazis. It's like, right, oh, we've got to go get, you know, LARPA's Nazis Day. Great. Okay. Looking forward to marching and chanting together. That'll be fun. Because yeah. everyone likes, you know, group activities. So maybe they're actually radicalizing. Yeah, look, I mean, he's making good points in this chat GPT speech, isn't he? You know? <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is... Who radicalized you, ChatGPT? Yeah, exactly. Well, they radicalized themselves. I'm just saying maybe the Fed needs to be investigated for Nazism. Uh, yeah, the Feds absolutely do need to be investigated. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll just round off on this, uh, this cartoon for those who are watching. Yeah. Yeah. Over to you, Carl. So, there's a, a phrase by Machiavelli, which I think is fantastic. A wise man does it once what a fool does finally. I like this so much we put it on our merch. So go over to our store, shop.lizseas.com, buy some, support us, help keep the lights on, right? It's obviously we've been demonetized, so we need your help. Um, but I, I like this 
phrase. Uh, there are lots and lots of um, versions of it as well. It's not just Machiavelli who has come to this position, but I like Machiavelli because he's unfairly maligned as some sort of evil man, but in fact, he was just a realistic patriot who was like, look, we have to be real about what's going on. And this could be applied to almost anything, but I think it's being learned that actually it also applies to multiculturalism. So it turns out there are lots of people who actually don't really approve of the West, and then they moved here. Now, that you might think is mildly counterintuitive, and so the wise man would have done at once what the fool eventually does. The wise man says, I'm not going to go somewhere I don't want to be. I'm going to stay where I am. <coughs> the fool finally says, I don't think I want to stay here anymore. I'm going to leave. Because I've heard on very good authority that the UK is racist. It's insanely racist. Very good authority, yeah. Uh, well, he's just the highest authority. We have others. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, 100% definitely racist, Stormzy pointed out in 2019. And that's a shame. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's like, like I say, going, going back, well, what would the wise man do if he was like, no, this is a racist country? Well, the wise man would take action on that. Yes. The fool will finally take action on that because necessity will force his hand. Uh, but, you know, absolutely, definitely 100% racist. Uh, I mean, he literally complains about Boris Johnson uh, using the word pickaninnies and watermelon smiles from his mansion. Um, and so... Because a man like that could never make it in this country. Well, that's the point. Yes. You know, condemned to being a nobody in the yes. bottom of society and never owning anything. Yeah. Uh, apart from a stab vest made by Banksy. But anyway, as Raven Smith here points out, which is a wonderful name, such a goth name as Raven Smith, goth English girl, um, Britain is racist. There, I said it. Good point. No one was saying it before. Thank God someone finally said it. I've, I mean, I've never heard anyone even make that allegation before today. So, Apart from Stormzy. Yes. Uh, he, he made his allegation in 2019. Uh, Raven has made hers in 2021. She picks up one. Yeah, she's like, no, in vogue, I will write. Stormzy has a point. Uh, she does say, I wanted to soften the blow of this statement to maybe say that Britain has a problem with race or there's ongoing racial tension that needs our attention. Or some people who like football also post racist tweets. Uh, lots of those happen to be footballers, actually, hmm. as we're seeing now. Um, but to shy away from that fact gets us nowhere. Britain is racist and nobody in Britain wants to hear this. This it seems to be Britain's biggest industry at this point. It's remarkable. Exactly, yeah. Yes. They but, want to turn us into the United States, I think, don't they? they Rifting and, you know, these, you know, skin intellectuals and yep. whatnot. Yeah, it's, yeah. She says, if I'm honest, I don't particularly want to say it. I'm trying to stay accountable for my own actions and privileges within systemic British racism. But this country that I love is also racist. I'm not anti-Britain. I'm anti the racist system it fosters. See, even the anti-racists are racists and love racist Britain. <laughs> You've got to understand, like the, the racism in Britain, literally right? everywhere. Yeah, it's, you, and, you breathe, look. Even, um, yes. but even the people who are advocating against racism love racist Britain. Yes, I had, I had an egg mayonnaise sandwich at lunchtime, and I had to stop halfway through and just think to myself, "God, this is so racist." <laughs> you still ate it though, didn't you? <laughs> well, I enjoyed it slightly better. <laughs> so, uh, and all, of course, all of our greatest heroes are racist. I mean, you know, Winston Churchill the man of the 20th century for Britain. To be fair, he probably was. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the BBC's number one issue with him. Yeah. But, but no less so than Clement Attlee would have been at the time. That's true, but you're just trying to make excuses now, right? I'm not, I'm not making excuses. I'm, I'm you, picking you, him up. No, no, everyone was like, no, that's, that's a good point. Everyone was and still is racist. Right, okay. This is what we are establishing 
from the BBC, their number one position problem with him is he's on race. Mm. Uh, of course, uh, William uh, Winston Churchill's scholars will say something like, Churchill certainly believed in racial hierarchies and eugenics. Uh, in Churchill's view, white Protestant Christians were at the top above white Catholics, while Indians were higher than Africans, blah, 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 blah. He's, he's got it all mapped out. It's like, right. Mildly problematic. I agree that Britain's literally greatest hero of the 20th century is a racist. Yep, good point. Uh, the civil servants, of course, know that everything is institutionally racist. Mm -hmm. uh, a training video from the civil service, uh, the Department of Leveling Up, so something created by Boris. It's not like this was instituted by Tony Blair or something, right? Uh, said that white staff should be aware of their privilege and instead be allies of ethnic minorities. Act as cheerleaders by standing up for ethnic minorities and shifting the spotlight to a person of color. Mm. The video on allyship um, is, uh, has caused concerns with one government source telling the paper that the civil servants were being brainwashed against racism. That's how racist they are. If you oppose racism in the civil service, you're being brainwashed against racism. You have to wonder why the civil service is such a den of of, of pure racism, don't you? For the same reason the rest of the country is. Oh, Absolutely. I see. It's just congenitally racist. Right, I see. Right, you have to understand, Britain, racism equals identical. It's just the same. Right. And so this is why, as you can see, Stop Hate UK, not good, it's not good, 109,000 racially motivated hate crimes, according to the Home Office. Now, well, racially aggregated offences. So that doesn't mean violence, right? But what that does mean are people posting things online in 21, 2021, 2022. So, Home Office. Oh, so, these are tweets, are they? The majority of them will be, yeah. But that is an increase. Only 109,000. That is an increase of 19%. Right, okay. So, but the thing is, you've got to remember, like, how many, how many times do fish tweet about water, right? Yes. So, you don't need to tweet about water if you're a fish. Oh, I see what you mean, yes. Yes. I'm swimming in it. So, but again, it's. So, the absence of the racist tweets is, is proof therein that you are so racist that you don't even feel the need to make the racist exactly. point. Exactly. It Got is it. embedded Got it. within us. Yes. It's it's literally in the DNA. <laughs> this uh, is mainly Ron Think and thought crime and uh, well, yeah, other such heinous actions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The anti-racists have got their work cut out for them. Right? And of course, racism in Britain is a complicated issue. It's not just black and white. Mm -hmm. uh, because, of course, we're racist against the Irish. We're racist against uh, gypsy travelers. We're racist against, well, everyone. It's a long list. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's a genuine commitment, right? And so they say, you know, we all know that we live in a racist society. Anyone who denies this is deluded and complicit with racism. So you were complicit with racism just earlier. We said, well, Clement Attlee is. Yeah, he was racist as well, as was Winston Churchill, as was every other British person up until this point. Correct. Right. You've got it. Okay. Right. You're judging historical figures by today's standards. It's not going to, you know, yes. you're going to have these issues with any uh, the person by, history or any country, any culture. So, but the thing is, by today's standard, you're also a racist. Right. So, yeah. You can't win. You know, <laughs> you know? Oh, look, a racist is saying he's a racist. Mm. Okay. <laughs> any racial abuse against any individual is morally abhorrent, and civil society has a moral duty to oppose prejudice. We should try to get the number of people who experience racism as close to zero as we possibly can. Black Caribbean people, for instance, are more likely than black African people to say they've experienced racism. Nearly 50% of black Caribbean people, but 30% for black African people. So this is, see, Winston Churchill's racial hierarchy still lives. Mm. We, we are less racist to the black Africans, but to the black Caribbeans, even though, I mean, I'm not sure I could 
point them out of the lineup. Yeah. Uh, somehow they're substantively different. So when I lived in London, I did see occasional very overt racist slanging matches. Oh, really? And they were always between black Africans and black Caribbeans. Oh, really? And they, and they, I can't remember, <laughs> but they had a term. There's, there's, it's, it's not the N word. It's like the, the black Africans have a, have a term for the Caribbeans and the Caribbeans have a term for the African. I can't remember what it is now, wow. but they get really nasty at each other sometimes. You'll notice that the framing of this, 50% of black Caribbean people experience racism didn't say from white people ah exactly yeah didn't say what it said is they just experienced racism and i believe it because of course if everyone knows that britain is a racist country then surely the racists from africa would come here and i'm a racist i want to go to a racist country look at the most (laughs) racist country oh look it's britain like look at winston churchill their hero is a massive racist so i've got to go to that country right Right. Makes makes sense. Don't think it through too hard, right? And so, when surveyed, the Brits will say, "Well, we're not racist." And in fact, this is a great list, right? So the the Iranians are apparently the most openly racist. The Russians, I can, I can believe it. Interesting list, that. Yeah, Russians were thirty two percent are self avowed racists. Japan thirty percent racist. China's only twenty six percent, which I find surprising. The Greeks are as racist as the wait, wait, wait. More than 26% of Chinese people are racist. Well, remember of the selection bias. The racists from China are like, I need a more racist country. So they've come here. When you've traveled around Asia, haven't you, Justin? It's- yes, quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I've actually I've lived in uh, Japan and South Korea. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's South, South Korea, they are just effortlessly racist. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. You know, it's a funny list, actually. I mean... A lot of those are quite homogenous. Obviously, the East yes. Asian ones are, but uh, Russia's quite high. But let's let's well. let's keep going down. Yeah. Right? So you can see there Nigeria at thirteen percent, right? France at ten percent. There are two hundred twenty million Nigerians, which means there are probably about thirty million open racists in Nigeria. And so now suddenly, if the open racists in Nigeria are like, I need a racist country to move to, Nigeria is only thirteen percent racist. Well, I've heard that Britain's really really racist. And suddenly, 50% of black Caribbeans have been racially abused by unknown peoples. Mm. So I'm just saying, that's a lot of racists. Like, that's, tw- that's three times as many racists in Nigeria. I don't, I don't think you're Nigeria. far off the mark here, actually. There are three times yeah. as many racists in Nigeria than there are Scottish people on the earth. Oh, good God. Right? Good point, yeah. <laughs> like, like self-avowed <laughs> racists. France is 10%, which is impressive. I mean, they are beating us because we're only at 5%. Mm, right. It's sort of a shame there's not like we need a, to do better. We need we need more rookie numbers. But it's yeah, sort of it's a shame like, there's the not like, racist. <laughs> like I'm going to do yeah. my best. Bring more of them in, maybe. <laughs> if only there was some sort of annual World Cup of racism, and each country could enter their own team. Mm. I mean, look, this is all just really ridiculous. Being serious for a second, if the UK is as racist as these people make out, why do we get one point? Why do one point two million people want to come here? It's totally uh, racist. Yeah, it's just totally counter uh, intuitive, really. It's yeah. uh, but um, they've got to really, you know. I mean, look. I mean, look at that. Nine percent of Canada and Australia are racist. That's another ten million people or so. Mm-hmm. You know, this eight percent of the United States are racist. You know, this is there are a lot of racists out there actually. Mm-hmm. Millions and millions of racists. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, but yeah, we're on five percent. But the thing is, this of course is self-reporting. Right, and most British people yeah. swimming in racism don't even realise that they're racist. They're, right, oh no, I'm not a racist. 
So actually, of course, this is uh, going to be far, far higher. Mm. And so this leads black people in the UK to be living in fear of racism, according to the UN. And if there's one thing I respect more than anything, it's an expert at the UN. Um, <laughs> I tried to say that with a straight face. Um, black people in the UK are living in fear due to structural, institutional, and systemic racism, according to the UN Working Group. They don't mention the 30 million Nigerian racists that we let into the country. Um, the expert who spent 10 days traveling across the UK, a bit of 10 days, they know. Oh, they're an expert, yeah. They, they know. <laughs> they have warned that people of African descent continue to encounter ra- Again, African descent, not people from Africa, because yeah. we're, we're, we're exactly as many yeah. Nigerian racists as we can get in the country. Right? <laughs> I mean, they're literally, they're literally in the Conservative Party, yes. <laughs> literally going to save the country. Um, but <laughs> the people of African descent uh, encounter racial discrimination and erosion of their fundamental right. It also highlighted trauma felt by people who are suffering racial discrimination, particularly in the criminal justice system. Dominique Day, a human rights expert for the group, said what we found overwhelmingly was a culture of fear, a culture of denial, where the conversations about racism usually involve gaslighting and the delegitimization of very credible claims. So, Hmm. I think Britain is an irredeemably racist country. It attracts international racists, who I believe, although I don't have proof for this, make up the overwhelming bulk of the 1.2 million immigrants who come in. And uh, there's only one thing to do. Well, I mean, you convinced me that, that Britain is, is past saving. Uh, well, exactly. Britain is just, it's way past saving if you are a noble anti-racist. Yeah. So the wise man does at once what the fool does finally. And so uh... they leave. I took my children to the Caribbean to live free from British racism, and I've never looked back. Great point. Why wouldn't the wise lady in this case uh, do exactly that? Mm. Absolutely, what, would, yeah. what would be the argument to not? I mean, you know, 30 million Nigerian racists are on their way. Uh, th- this needs promoting, this story. Well, that's why I'm doing this segment. Because this, I think she's making a great point. I, mean, I think that's very clever. What, yeah. what is the possible objection? She says, my parents arrived from the UK, to the UK from Granada in the 1960s and did a pretty good job of making me the right kind of immigrant. She did well at school, attended universities, and was writing for national papers in her teens. Yet somewhere along the way, the wheels fell off. I became homeless after separating from my children's father. I returned to my parents' house where I slept on the same blow-up camping mattress I'd used as a teenager trekking around Europe. I'd gone from writing for Rolling Stone and hanging out with rock stars to working minimum wage jobs and having to account for how many times I needed to pee during my shift. It's like, right, that's interesting. Rolling Stone have had cutbacks. (laughs) But anyway, she says, as I hurtled towards my 40s as a single mother, relying on benefits to support my three kids, I did not feel like this was life, my life's assignment. And if I couldn't make it work in the UK, what chance did my children have in a country in which, on every indicator from education to employment, health to housing, the odds of success as black citizens were clearly stacked against them? Exactly Stormzy's point. I've got to say, if I, if I was running the BBC, I'd be tempted to make like a Jamaican version of Neighbours that made it look fantastic and just have stories like this mm. every single week. This is a true story from her. This is, this is her lived experience, and I take it as wrote. Uh, she says, so I made the decision to quit the UK, return to Granada, the island my paternal and maternal grandparents left in the 1950s uh, before sending, uh, sending for their offspring a decade later. The irony did not escape me. My motivation was to raise my children in an environment where they could feel that freedom is their birthright. Because remember, Britain, the place of oppression, yeah. tyranny, exactly, yeah. anti-Magna Carta. Oh, you don't Granada, yes. <laughs> an ex-slave colony, <laughs> <laughs> the place of liberty. <laughs> Well, I've never been, but I'm sure it's a complete utopia. I, I don't doubt that it's beautiful. 
Mm. Right? I don't doubt that's amazing. Um, Former colony, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. The empire. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. So, so, sounds sounds great. I've got the right idea. Mm. So, this is very interesting description of Granada, though. Yes. Um, she says so when when they, they had to wait for the flight because of COVID. Don't know why the flights were still going. Mm. Maybe Granada was like, okay, no flights. But Britain still brought in literally a million immigrants a year, 100, 500 and 700,000 or something a year. Yeah. So our flights are still working because we're racist and we're trying to trap these people mm. in our country. But Granada was like, no, 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 you know, COVID. Um, but when we finally arrived, I was filled with a feeling of overwhelming relief and joy that I didn't have to catch a flight back. Here, my seven and eight-year-old girls get woken up by the neighbor's kids knocking on our front door. They go off exploring for hours on end, running in and out of the adjacent houses. Kids going missing isn't something we worry about on an island of 126,000 people. Remarkable. Yeah. In the UK, it felt unsafe for them to even go to the corner shop on their own, and whenever we visited our local park, we had to walk past the memorial to an 18-year-old who was stabbed to death in a road rage incident. It's something like a core memory for my girls before the age of five. Well, to be fair, there was a time when you could let your kids out in this country. Well, I was going to say... Us being of a relatively similar age. Yes. Well, yeah, it was exactly like that. But um, but it's the racism that caused it to not be the way it is. Yes. And so she says, it has been reassuring to meet other black people in the process who are in this process who are also in search of alternative ways of living. Together with collective families from across the globe, we're in the process of buying back part of the former estate in the rural north of the island uh, by forming a community uh, land trust we can live with others in alignment with nature and remove from the pressures of modernity at a fraction of the cost of living in the global north. That's a great advert. Wonderful. So, like, send me a postcard. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm tempted to go myself. I mean, Granada's not racist, is it? Right? Yeah. I mean, if I go over there, I'm not going to be racially profiled because of my skin color because I've been told that it's not. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that sounds great. And I bet the weather's wonderful, right? <laughs> nice little island where everything's safe. Yeah. yeah. You know, get away from the pressures of modernity. This, this article should be every TV advert for the next 10 years. Mm. It hasn't all been plain sailing, though, because yeah. her 13-year-old son has decided to actually return to the racist UK oh. to live with his father. Right? He missed his friends and family, and uh, he, he missed the fact that, you know, having access to simple things like Thai food or consistently working cash machines. Lavatories. Or- yeah, uh, <laughs> has been difficult to adjust to. But does she miss the UK? No, not at all. In fact... When I return now, I wonder how I managed to live there for so long. Dystopian racist hellscape. Good yeah. for her. Yeah. I'm, well done, that lady. Yeah, absolutely well done. And so this is becoming a bit of a trend that is called Blackxit, which is the Black oh. Exit. Uh, reasons you should live in Africa. Let's watch this. Just a beautiful and encouraging experience. Two, safety. Many of the countries in Africa, I'm in Tanzania, are significantly safer than the United States when you check the rankings. And you never have to worry about any sort of racist anti-black violence against you. Three, challenging white supremacy. It is a game changer when you can show that it is possible to thrive in the world outside of westernized systems. Four, learning from African perspectives and experiences. So much of what we see, even those of us who call ourselves very pro-black, are still very westernized when we're from the western world. When you move to Africa, you get to actually learn the indigenous ways of being from the continent. And five, learning to love, love, love yourself as a black person in deeper and more powerful ways. So much of what we get, again, living in the West, we're brainwashed to believe that blackness is less than and that we have to fight to show and prove our value and worth. 
when you are in Africa, it is just evidence and it is just a normal part of living life. Amazing and peaceful to the spirit. Look, I acknowledge that it is not easy for everybody and the finances and all the details, logistics. Look, I know I get it. But for those of you who are able to dream, to be able to build the game plan, figure out new ways of being, I encourage you, put it on your list to at least visit. Sense of so belonging. Just keep thinking. Remember, the number one we kind of missed that is sense of belonging. It is amazing yeah. being in a place where everybody looks like you. I mean, that is just, that's his number one reason. Being in a place where everyone looks like you. Well, I guess you're not getting exposed to racism. And so you get... Uh, Things like this, where it's, you know, more black Brits see a future away, a better future away from Britain. Like, yeah, they probably do. I mean, the British economy is crazy. It's insane how much the house prices cost. It's insane yeah. how little justice we actually find mm. in this country. I mean, 95% of burglaries go uninvestigated. Yeah. But the, the Britain is, is absolutely cratering at the moment. They're making great points. And uh, Barbara Blake Hanna was born and raised in Jamaica, moved to England. She's like, look, what we need to do is essentially a kind of reverse Windrush generation. Uh, she could literally says, let's do a wind rush in reverse and help make our paradise greater. And to be honest with you, I'm thinking about going with them myself. She's like, yeah, no, great point. Great point <laughs> we'll tag along with them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll come with you now. The way things Have, are going. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do the, like, the reverse colonization in reverse. Is that how yes, the, why not? The, the song goes or the, the poem goes? Like, we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out with you, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, they are, if that's how they feel about the West, that chap in the video, presumably he's American. He is, And yeah. they're honest in their convictions then. You know, uh, you know that's you know good for them. If yeah, yeah. So solace and have at it. And um, I mean, just great points made all round by everyone involved. I think. Uh, I hope they hope they do well and Godspeed. Basically, yeah, good news segment, Carl. Well done. Thank you. It's gone to talking about the state of the UK. Why might they want to leave? <laughs> yeah, leads on nicely, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so. The UK economy has a lot of problems. Yeah, it's really, really is struggling. The sort of the depth and the scale of the problems are pretty serious when you start factoring in things like investment, uh, low growth, the skills gap. Uh, there's quite a lot to unpack. The debt, the fact that uh, middle class Britons haven't seen a real wage increase uh, since uh, 2008, a decade and a half. And things are starting to catch up with us. And uh, yeah, as you can see the date at the top, uh, just at the end of November, I, I did one article quickly became two articles. It was my, uh, particularly my YouTube algorithm was filled with all these videos about the econo impending economic doom uh, of the UK. They're all pretty similar, but um, yeah, was, I left a lot on the cutting board as well. Could have, could have gone to a part three actually, but um yeah, it's uh, so you, you've broken down the key sort of financial issues with uh, with the state of the UK today. Then, yeah, that's right. Uh, looking at things like low growth, investment, uh, yep. debt, uh, rising interest rates, uh, obviously the cost of living crisis. Uh, part two looked at the housing crisis we have, and then how all of this is rebounding on public services. We've got crumbling schools. We've got a failing. Uh, health service arguably even non-existent sorry to interrupt but that is a staggering increase in public sector debt isn't it yes yeah that's jesus right. christ after 2008 because of the bailouts we uh, it increased significantly but it's just it's just gone up and up i mean to be fair you could say the same thing for most g20 countries 
Western Europe, the debt yeah. seemingly only goes one way. Um, but it's it's pretty bad. It's particularly bad for the UK. So the thing the thing I muse on this is is the Western world heading to financial collapse, or did the financial collapse happen in two thousand and eight, and the body just hasn't hit the floor yet? That's a good. Uh, that's a good question. I mean. It, I don't want to be a I don't want to be a doom merger, but it is getting it keeps getting worse, and we I like don't to know ourselves as reality merchants. Mm, right? Okay. What's the yeah. reality of it? Because uh, I mean, I'm I'm no economist. Just to be very very clear, I don't know anything about the economy, and I can't count. Mm, but that looks bad. Yeah, it is bad. I mean, uh, the deficits are how do I say this? Okay, as long as the interest rate we pay on our debts is manageable. But the problem is. Of course, recently, the last 18 months, two years, interest rates have gone up. The cost of borrowing uh, goes up. The cost of servicing our existing debt is obviously increased. And we can't simply kick the can down the road by borrowing uh, more money. That's not. Um, that's that, not that can, can is getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Exactly. And harder, harder to kick. So, just exactly. as a quick thing, who do we owe this money to? Well, uh, a lot is owned by the Bank of England, uh, some by foreign investors. It's a bit complex. I think about 25% of our debt is uh, inflation-linked, if I'm uh, and not mistaken. Now, that's a problem because we're in a period of high inflation, so that's also um, a big structural problem too. But even though, um, even though a lot is owned by the Bank of England, there's only so many units of pound sterling um, and our version of the bond, the gilts, uh, that uh, you know, international markets can absorb, really. And uh, because of all the instability, we've had the merry-go-round at number 10. We've had you know, Brexit. We've had uh, all sorts of um, things, referendums. Uh, you know, that's also causing, uh, that's also a big cause. Uh, but certainly the 2008 crisis and uh, our response to it is broadly speaking where it you know where it all began but because uh, yeah. i mean there was a time where you know china and the likes would have would have been buying the debt um but increasingly they're they're, ju- they're just not that interested in western debt anymore mm. is it because they think we're not going to pay it back There's notions like that yeah. yes I don't, I don't know exactly what their reasons were they didn't they didn't share them but uh they the prob- decided, they've decided to buy gold instead <laughs> yeah that's interesting <laughs> really? yeah good investment the problem is it's a global uh, crisis isn't it lots of countries have problems with inflation and things and some of these countries with the russia ukraine uh, war leading to commodity prices particularly oil um uh, and uh, gas going up in price they're saying ah sorry we can't buy your pound sterling bonds your euro bonds we're going to you know we need to sort of get our own house in order now we're up a creek because, you know, uh, the traditional international investors are sort of looking elsewhere. If you zoom out, the dollar is rising in value. That's a problem for a lot of countries as well. And, um, you know, pound sterling is a bit further down the list, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yes. So um, if, you know, if, if, if you're going to hold a foreign currency in Asia, you, you might as well go for the dollar. I mean, not a lot of reason to hold the pound. But, but this is the debt and the deficit. This isn't yes. the complete economic picture and certainly not the uh, uh, a good. Uh, there are other problems we have, of course, we see on a daily basis. And anything else you want to scroll down to? Yeah, if we go down. I mean, I think growth is, I started with growth because, you know, that de- determines yeah. so much. And it's been at this level now 
for basically about two calendar years. So growth in the region of zero, less than a one uh, percentile, one percentage point. So one point two million racists from Nigeria is less than one percent growth. Mm. And uh, immigration. But James O'Brien said that the immigration caused the growth, didn't he? He did. He did. Mm. Where's the growth then? Well, just imagine how much <laughs> how much further down this would be. If oh, I see. Those right. Yes. Be negative. Mm. Got gotcha. just so that's what some people say. Yeah. It's yeah even know, worse without the great yeah, immigration. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Right. But the problem is we're not growing, but our population is growing uh, lightly because of uh, what is it like sixty percent is because of mass immigration and you know um, their dependents that they bring and, and then uh, their offspring. So you know we've got uh, you know stagnant stagnant economy. Uh, a growing population, so that means more scarcity, less goods and, and services. What you've got here is sort of stagnant headline growth. But of course, if the population is growing, you've actually got declining um, GDP per capita. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's we'll, being we'll shared out. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I can't count, so you're going to have to walk me through this. But if there's X amount of one resource and then Y amount of another, and the Y grows and these have to be shared, then that surely means the pe- the people in that category get less of what has to be shared among them from that. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, the X axis only goes up to 2%. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, uh, it well, is... and actually that's a really good point. So the axis only goes up to 2%, which we don't get anywhere near by. No, no. So, recommended. So this, this is the growth of the economy. The other thing to bear in mind is the amount of debt. Is it fair to characterize this as the growth of the economy? This is a yeah. snapshot of the economy. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just but, but the the the, to, the total economy is about the same size as the amount of debt. We've yeah. got we've got 100% debt to GDP yeah, ratio. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And 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 the and the debt is rising like you say a lot of it is in debt that's linked, but it's rising at, you know, it's it's strata but it's going to be around about 4% a year. So, so the debt is rising at 4% a year. It's the same size as the economy and the economy is stagnating. So what so, you're saying is we should cash out now. No, what I'm what I'm saying is that we're in a debt spiral. Yes. Is that the debt is continuing to grow. And it's just gonna it's just gonna eat everything. Yeah. Effectively, we kind of are in a recession from that uh, perspective because the debt interest repayments are obviously gonna send us into the into the minus, aren't they? Because this doesn't factor in that. This is just yep. the the growth. Uh, the, the only line before. item bigger than what we right. we pay on the interest is the NHS. Yeah, even, and right. even then, it's close. Of course, it's the NHS. Yeah, yeah. of course, it is. Um, so uh, yes, I actually look at the debt to GDP ratio below that, but um, mm. you know, obviously inflation. Um, okay, it's better in that it's slower, but as you point out, Dan, that just means that prices are rising slightly slower, uh, slightly less. Um, now, to be fair, the end of twenty twenty two, it was it was you know your double digit levels. It's pretty yeah. bad. But um, and and bear in mind that these well, not only are these incredibly bad double digit levels of inflation, like eleven percent inflation a year, right now. If if you were if you're an investor and you invested your money at eleven percent per year, you you could be a you could be a bus driver and you retire very rich indeed. So again, I not an economist. This compounds, right? Yes. Because for it to say it was eleven percent one year, for it to return to the previous price that it was, it would have to be negative eleven percent. Yes. The next year. So what we are seeing is a continual rise. And so when they say, oh, inflation is down to 4.6%, yes, that's on top of the, what I mean, that must be like 100% inflation. Over the past well, if, if, if inflation is down to 4.6%, it's growing at 4%, 4.6% yeah. on top of the sum yeah, exactly. of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So the sum yeah. of all that yeah. looks like it's probably like 105 or 110%, yeah. something like that. So 
need we need to go into the negative to get back to where we were before yes. this uh, crisis uh, started. But we've you know we've always got a we've got a never ending uh, cost of living crisis here, haven't we? It's, it was before Russia Ukraine, and arguably, if you want to talk about house prices, it was before COVID. So um, you know, really, it's that there's no there's no long term plan for. Uh, for this tell you what that commune in granada is looking at people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. just saying um yeah quite good i mean yeah, over here we we produce well apparently racism and nothing and little else our main export yeah. yeah but but in russia they've got oil reserves they've got commodities they've got vast fields of wheat um we know over here we're actively encouraging farmers to get out of the business. Yeah, that's crazy. Isn't we're it? either going to regulate them out of the business or we're going to incentivize them out. But for some reason, the British government is desperate to strip out all the agriculture, which is like the one key. I always say there's two key foundations for any economy: it's agriculture and energy. Mm. You can change anything else around, but you need agriculture and energy. And what else are they doing on energy? Oh, well, um, they're they're basically building um, new power cables over the channel. So, so we can get we can French reliant, nuclear power. Yes, so right. we reliance on the French. You, yeah. In, in 2011, the Conservative Lib Dem coalition yep. were asked if they're going to build nuclear power plants. And this is a quote, I think it's from Nick Clegg. He said, no, it's going to take too long. It won't be done for 10 years. Well, 10 years later, it would have been nice to have had all those nuclear power plants. Yes, it would have, yeah. Mm. Yes. Now, yes, uh, given where we are now, nuclear power is looking a, a much more attractive yeah. uh, it was looking like that it? all the time, like mm. from the very conception of nuclear power. It was always looking like that. Sorry. I'm... No, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Interest rates. I mean, yeah, obviously they've climbed and climbed. So, you know, as they go up, so do our debt service repayments, which as uh, Dan said, is now like second on the list of government expenditures. So the first graph with the debt, kind of the explosion of uh, government debt means that, you know, um, when interest rates go up, the cost of servicing that debt becomes uh, much... So unlike the GDP growth chart, this one doesn't stop at 2%. This one goes up to 6%. Yes, it's, uh, this one, yeah. yeah. And, and the UK government just cannot afford two, let alone six. Mm. And... Yes, but that's because this is measuring bad things. Yes. The, the good things stops at 2%. The bad things stops at 6%. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also it didn't get anywhere near that 2% oh, as yeah. well. So there was also that. The problem is the Bank of England haven't set a date for when interest rates are going to be capped, which is a... Econ speak for you know when they're gonna stop. They're saying in it could be the first half of this year, but then there's always a three month lag anyway. Mm. So um, and those are those are world. world so so my my fear, theory that it will be before um, Q3. Mm. The simple reason that the US will lead it, and they need a feel good feeling in the economy before the election. Mm. So tell me about capping interest rates because I don't know how that works. I don't know why that works. Well, yeah, interest rates will keep going. Will they will keep rising until the we reach an equilibrium and things start evening out? But the the problem is is that this doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, the Bank of England um, only has so much uh, power to exercise over monetary inflation. These are affected by other things like commodity prices and you know uh, overseas investors. And, so uh, is this something akin to sort of putting your finger in the hole in the dam and then another psh, comes out and you have to put another finger in? Well, it's sort of a bait and switch. I mean, really, the, the, the money's 
uh, the, the inflation is coming from the money they printed. Yeah, mm. but they're but they're doing a, a a sleight of hand and saying, oh no, it's because interest rates are, are, are too low. I'll, I'll tell you one of the one of the main leading indicators for interest rates: shipping costs. Oh yeah. Mm. So if you got I don't know a yeah. bunch of Yemenis rebels. Uh, hold, holding up one of the main um, shipping lines, mm, um, yeah, uh, leading indicator of um, inflation. Mm. What was this one telling us? Total investment. So yeah, after uh, debt, interest rates, cost of living, we start looking at investment. We start looking at the skills gap and um, yeah. uh, sort of thing. So investment is an issue in the UK since really since Brexit. It's sort of flatlined. And we just don't invest properly. The problem is, is that UK businesses don't invest in capital machinery, technology, human resources, so training and whatnot. Um, and you know, this is a big, this is a big structural problem in the economy because then this affects output. That's why growth is low, and then this is why people don't get uh, wage increases, and it's a self perpetuates, self reinforcing. So, so is, is this telling me that? China invests forty three percent of everything they make back into themselves in order to grow. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's basically and, and uh, into industry and niche markets and things like that. You 18%. see, we used to we used to invest a lot. We were one of the highest uh, in Europe. Uh, but again, I think it, I think again that sort of comes back to two thousand eight, and then after Brexit, a lot of confidence in the UK economy dropped, and we've not really picked up. Uh, since then, so uh, yeah, this, these aren't encouraging. Because I mean, just on a, on a you know on, on a local practical basis, I mean, this business reinvests a lot into itself. I mean, the reason yeah. why we have all of this now is because um, from the first two years, a lot of that money was reinvested back into the business to, to, I guess to make it better. Generally, and better. that's not the trend. Yeah, and that is, you know, obviously not what Britain as a whole is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, even even though um, places that do show strong growth, you know, the the well, China, the Indias, the Checks the uh, the Japanese, the Swedes, and the, even the French. Who even the French have got higher um, investment rates than we have. Put me in charge this of the UK economy. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. What have we got? Oh dear. What's this one, Justin? Yeah, this is sort of a bit more um, on investment. So we've got public sector before um, that. We've got uh, the private sector, but yeah, again, here's. As things have gotten worse, public sector investment in public um, services has gone down. Now, obviously, people will recall the austerity period under Cameron in the wake of the, the bailouts and things, and it's really continued um, from them. Because if you go back to interest rates, uh, back then, interest rates were more manageable. They were lower, well, lower than we have now. But instead of investing in uh, infrastructure, schools, instead of uh, tackling some of the problems with the NHS, we cut back spending. We've got you know fewer police on the streets. We've got we've literally got crumbling schools. We might see that on part two. The perforated concrete needs to be replaced in seven hundred thousand schools and uh, education institutions. So a lot of these problems. The problem is that it's all collapsing in on itself now. And so, so you're saying while we were bor- borrowing billions. Um, at a low interest rate, we could have used that cheap money to um, update the infrastructure. Would have been a good idea. I mean, obviously, as they say, you know, hindsight is always uh, twenty twenty. But, but instead, <laughs> we are in the practice of borrowing money to keep the lights on in the NHS today. So you know, we 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 are borrowing to consume 
rather than borrowing to invest. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now we're sort of trapped in this sort of um, cycle. So here, yeah, here's where you see the trend line is pretty consi consistent up to the vote. And then after that, um, I think investor confidence just uh, slipped. Obviously, the, even though the pound devalued, you think people might want to invest more because they're getting more for every one euro, one dollar. But that didn't really happen. A lot of uh, other things sort of play into it. And um, yeah, so it's really, but I'm sure up to that, up to that 2016 mark, I think we were sort of, yeah. you know, we were leading. So, uh, so, so my, my issue with this is the way Brexit was done mm. is, oh, have you ever seen that film Blade where he's got the, the half human, half vampires? Yeah. The strengths of the vampires, but none of the weaknesses. Yeah, we're the opposite of that. Yeah. We, the way the we, of the the way we did strength. Brexit is we kept all the weaknesses of the EU yeah. and we didn't, we didn't take on any of the strengths of being independent. Yeah. So we, we basically kept all of the bad things about the EU and then uh, and then did none of the things that we were now able to do. I really think we should have just abolished corporate tax. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things we could have done. Totally we, undercut. We Ireland. left the EU and then, and then basically did nothing. So I'm not surprised that the investment rate fell after Brexit because... We, we we were trying to operate on an old model that we were no longer part of rather than embracing something new. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I talk about the tax code in part two. Our tax code is a mess. Corporate tax, oh, yeah. whether it's um, VAT, all of it, it's uh, it's definitely a big problem and we need yeah. to kind of sort of uh, address that. Um, so I, I, We go to a flat rate or what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I worked in an office once where our in-house lawyer had a copy of the tax code in his office and it was just the big one. <laughs> <laughs> multiple shelves yeah absolutely and it was yeah. one book the UK tax code crazy yeah I mean can we go to that I, I wouldn't mind talking about the tax yeah it's, it's part two it's article two so it's a, the next tab along okay. actually so that's productivity wage uh, we're not very productive either to be uh, honest and that's a big problem but of course if you're not investing in uh, technological upgrades capital machinery yes. that's going to impact productivity and if your company's not as productive, you know, it's, uh, you know, that's going to affect wages. And, and it fell off trend returns. in 2008. Hmm. Again, and, and yeah. And yeah. for some reason, we weren't very productive in 2020. Hmm. I mean, that, that I think, is probably going to be a fairly universal yes. yeah, yeah. issue. So I'm not too worried about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, this one. Household income. Yeah, so again, flat, flat-lined at... Even even left leaning sources, even the Guardian yeah. says we haven't had a real wage increase in a decade and a half. And some people say it's about eleven thousand pounds a year. And well, and, and bear in mind these are official numbers. So yeah, actually, exactly. people have had a pay cut in the last fifteen years. And as I always say, the um, CPI, the Consumer Price Index, the price of basic goods and services, has gone up about. 47.5% in that time. So Jesus. you can wow. see what <laughs> we're getting hit from both yeah. ends, uh, yeah. really. Um, put that in the thing. So, yeah, wage growth is um, pretty low. And a, a lot of people, I think, on the ground level, I know a lot of people yeah. in tech and things, and they're like, you know, British companies just don't, you know, they. They don't pay as much, you know. You're underpaid. You're overworked. Yeah. Uh, they get better offers from, you know, overseas and yeah. things, and uh, you know that's uh, that's also. So good I don't really mind when we're falling behind 
like Central Europe because, of course, they're a bit more liberated than we are on, mm. on getting on and doing things, and they, they they've taken on less of the the ridiculous policies than us. Mm. But I really don't like seeing that we're behind France in all of these charts. Yeah, that bothers me. States, behind yeah. them on both racism <laughs> and wage growth. Yes, but of course, wage growth—you got to talk about again mass immigration because that's putting downward pressure on wages as well, and. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, debt interest repayments are second. Oh, that's what I was saying about the NHS. Yeah, it's just insane. So I, th- I think the operational budget of the NHS is something like 137 billion. Yeah, so it's really, really close at this point. Mm. So is this? I think the, housing benefit is third. That, that's and, how much we pay. Uh, sorry, yeah. the UK debt interest payments are almost one NHS per year. Yes. God damn. Yeah, yes. almost. Yeah, 123 billion just being flushed down. What I do. Oh, the, um, this is why so we don't have to part two. So this is a yeah. few more housing, mortgages, the tax code. Um, so let's talk about the taxes then. Yes, yeah, so I hate taxes. Go up. There's um, there's actually a couple of funny anecdotes there just to like. Uh, uh, so yeah, ta- uh, um, obviously there's issues to do with council tax. Yeah. Is uh, one thing VAT is kind of a little bit all over the place. Um, with uh, goods being priced differently. There's our corporate tax rate, which is currently 25%, which is just too high. It's just way too high. And so many countries have it lower and companies are going to go there. So on this, this this drives me absolutely mental, right? The corporate tax rate. A, a corporation isn't a person that shouldn't pay taxes, right? Mm. It's just a collection of people. No, yeah. The the people themselves should pay taxes. Raise raise tax on the individual if you want that money, right? Mm. Philosophically, it's messed up. But secondly, strategically, we're going to lead the European Union. Okay, well, how about we look at the, say, Britain's nearest neighbor that has its modern first world economy. They all speak English. What's their corporation tax? Oh, 12.5%. Well, they're under big pressure to raise it from the EU. I'm talking about Ireland. We are, of course, talking about Ireland, which is why if you use YouTube or whatever, the headquarters are in Ireland. All of the American companies headquartered in Ireland Mm. and then just operate in the UK. Yeah. So, okay, so they're deliberately undercutting us. And their their economy is of course skyrocketing because of this yeah. just very small tactical thing that they've done. Mm. And we could just be like, okay, we're gonna go six point five percent now. Well we, we could have gone zero. I would have gone well, zero. We, should, I would have yeah. gone zero too. Yeah, we could have exactly, done that the yeah. day after Brexit. Yeah, exactly. We could have just said we're out inter- um corporation taxes down to yeah. zero, and there would have been a queue of companies I know. coming here. It is insufferable. Bringing all the jobs with them. It is absolutely insufferable that yep. for some reason we're trapped in this old paradigm. And a bit like the NHS, they don't want to they don't want to address these problems because even the short term leveling up uh, is going to lead to a fall in tax revenue. And if you go to the first five seven minutes of our conversation, we're looking at Article One. We can't afford that because we've already got uh, unbelievable yeah debt. unbelievable yeah. debt and uh, deficit and whatnot. To scroll down a bit, this is I mean VAT is quite funny. Um, you know, I think in 2022, I think we spent almost a million pounds on a court case deciding whether a Jaffa cake was a biscuit yeah. with a bit of chocolate on it or a cake with chocolate on it because that affects its uh, VAT, VAT treatment, uh, VAT bracket. And it's just, and the same thing for gingerbread yeah. men with a chocolate smile. Uh, well, if they've got the chocolate smile, that means they need to be at 0.25%. Yeah. And it's like, I hate to say I hate to be that person, but I'm sure we're the only country that can produce <laughs> these kinds of mind-boggling. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's all starting to sound like a Ayn Rand novel at this point. Yeah, absolutely. 
the end of the article really looks at how this is impacting on uh, policing, law enforcement, education, um, healthcare, infrastructure, and whatnot. And uh, I've got to be honest, guys, at this point, I just had to end the article because my head was about to right? yeah, explode. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, this is so. I mean, I, I, I just saw what happened over COVID and just thought, yeah, I'm, I'm buying private medical insurance. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's almost uh, because yeah. it's it's de facto closed off to you, and then you're left with uh, yeah. private uh, only private options. Some, and, something like fifteen percent of the entire country is currently on an NHS waiting list. Yeah, it's it's. Oh uh, yeah, it's it right. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that is crazy, isn't it's it? It's mad. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. mad. How is that sustainable? Then? It's not, and it's not going down. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay, that's bonkers. Fair enough. Private healthcare premiums are going to go up in price because they, they're going to know that a lot of people are yep. saying just what Dan said uh, a minute ago, and they're going to be looking at whatever, is it Booper and uh, other things, yep. but uh, then the market will demand. A lot of this, uh, yeah, obviously poverty, destitution, yep. food bank usage is uh, at an all-time uh and uh, oh, you, you try and measure the lost investment, so it'd be an extra 31 in, invested into industry. Yeah, could if the trend could scroll up a little bit. What was the heading for that? Um, oh, I think that was a bit, of, yeah, that was a bit on um, Brexit. Look, hands up, I was for Brexit at the time. I yeah. think we were sold, a, we were sold a lie, to be honest. That's that's I didn't want, oh, no, I disagree with that. Uh, go, go into I, I, I don't think the Brexit the problem, the, the problem was, is that we didn't take advantage of any of the things that it offered us. Sure, yeah, sure, we still could, yeah, we could tomorrow. Oh, yeah, exactly. Doing. The Conservatives have got the physical power to do everything that would work in our advantage. Yeah, I just put a, a little bit on Brexit, immigration, because obviously those are quite large mm. topics, but to sort of um, get a bit of um, perspective. Mass immigration gets a mention. Yeah, towards uh, the end. So. Ra radical liberation had a good definition of um, mass immigration, which I quite like, which is mass immigration is any level of immigration that exceeds the house building of a nation. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. And so what are we... So we were at... 200,000 a year. Two and, no, it's more. No. No, we built 200,000 houses. A year. Oh, right. I was going to say, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, our immigration way, yes. way so, so, so basically, our immigration rates is about three times, yeah. net immigration rate, about three times the level of house building. The, the problem with that is that house building is based on the amount of immigration that we're having. The reason we build 200,000 houses a year is because of the number of people coming in. Mm -hmm. So if we had, say, 5,000 people coming in every year, then we wouldn't build 200,000 houses. And a lot of the quality of these new builds are well, just not, they're, they're, they're appalling. Yeah, they're for individuals. They're not, they're not for families. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, um, there's a lot. Uh, I mean, I actually did a podcast with Radical Liberation precisely on these articles, and we looked at these. Um, this is quite good, actually. This is a screen cap from a YouTuber called uh, The Wandering Turnip, who basically goes across towns and cities in the UK and he sort of documents uh, the decline on the ground yeah. level, particularly with property and uh, industry. And we can do um, that in Swindon. We can just walk through towns. I exactly noticed. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, but um, People don't believe me, but like 10 years ago, Swindon was actually quite nice. Mm -hmm. like that was heaving down. The whole country was actually, yeah. You know, I said this to Dan in the notes. So you're, um, you did a talk with Peter Whittle around about the end of the summer it was quite downbeat, but you know we all are, and that that's what kind of uh, inadvertently inspired these articles, oh, Carl. Right, right. So thanks. Oh, well, um, no, I appreciate the work. But uh, no, you see the decline in real time. Uh, you you see it around you, and uh, it's not it's not nice because it doesn't have to be like this. It didn't used to be like this yep. but because of our 
traitorous elites. Uh, here yes. we are. You know, we need to clear them out. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, well, that's uh, a shame. After Cole cheered us up with his with his positive news, you've got it. You've well, got <laughs> in a way, it wasn't positive well, news because a lot of them were like, you know, what? I'm actually not prepared to stick out the intrinsic racism of Britain because the economy sucks. Yes. You know, stuff is expensive. I can't be bothered with it. I'd rather go somewhere that has intermittent electricity and running water, which yes. says a lot about our country. Yes. Not, 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 not good, is it? Right. So, should we have a look at some comments? Yeah, well, first we'll go to the video. Oh, yes. This question's for Dan. Uh, my family comes from Indonesia. It's rich with uh, natural resources, oil, um, silver, gold, jewels, uh, hardwoods, spices, all that. Um, but then you compare it to a nation like Japan that has almost no natural resources. It's quite bereft. And Japan does much better. And I think that the element that we don't really talk about in economics is trust to build an economy. It's not just about technology. It's not just about natural resources or manpower or whatever. Trust is actually a very important resource. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, that's yeah. a nice one, Dan. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, absolutely right, isn't it? I mean, if you, can, if, you, if you trust people, then you can have property rights. You mm. can have contracts that people can rely on. Um, and, and this is one of the things I found in in business is that you, you have to understand when you go into business that the way we think here is not the way they think around the rest of the world. Oh, yeah. So over here, Very you negotiate hard to get a contract. And then once the contract is done, basically it's set yeah. because nobody wants to go to court over it. What I found is if you did a, a deal with um, anyone in Asia, um, we, did a, we did a deal with, uh, with, a, with an Indian billionaire. And and what you find is the is the contract negotiations incredibly easy. And you're like, wow, this is good. Right. And then you sign the contract, and he just ignores it. He just, yeah, he just yeah. does whatever the hell he wants. Afterwards. They do do that a lot in Asia. Yeah, they yeah. don't. Yeah, a lot of that's right. They don't have the same kind of transparent institutions yeah. that we have. Indonesia, I've been to a couple times. They have every commodity uh, you can name. They're an OPEC country. They should be a superpower. Yes. If they had our institutions, you know, they would. Yeah. They would yeah. be a, a juggernaut, but they're not. A lot of it is because, unfortunately, because of corruption, and um, and yeah, there are other things as well. But uh, poverty too. Oh, fa fantastic resources, Indonesia. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you took the British population, well, maybe not all of it, but but the British population, you swapped it with Indonesia. Mm. You know, Which we, we can do it within a hundred years. We'd be a superpower. That, that rivals the US easily. Mm. Well, they have got fantastic resources. There's a very good book uh, based on what this uh, chap, this chap's comment is called "Why Nations Fail," and it looks about how they don't have, you know, a transparent legal system and how, um, you know, things like corruption, bribery, and uh, whatnot. It's a very been a while since I uh, read it, um, but it's uh, yeah, I, it's a good one. Yeah, I, I read that. I like the distinction between extractive and inclusive mm. uh, economies. Yeah, um, that's a, for anyone who's wondering, an inclusive economy is one that actually makes people buy into it, so they get to own land. Mm. An extractive one is essentially the difference between Spanish America and English America. Yeah, absolutely. And one Asian country that goes against the grain that has very robust institutions, Singapore. Well, you only need to say the name, and everybody perks up, and you look yeah. at their growth, their standard yeah. of living, and and well, of course, a lot of that is was inherited mm. from the British and. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, so Singapore also um, um, inherited a version of the NHS. Mm. They quickly got rid of it. Mm. Yeah, Tells you that something. says a lot as yeah. well. Let's go to the next yeah, one. Yeah, let's do the next one. Hey, Selvier here. You may know me from such hit Lotus Eaters articles like Fully Automated Luxury, Communism, 
is a fabulation. About four months ago I launched a channel called Narrative Arcade, where I break down everything from a meme-fueled screenwriting perspective. From movies, shows and video games, to even Matt Walsh's nightmares known as anime. So come on over if you need ammo against anyone who uses nonsense terms like media literacy unironically. The West will only survive with better storytelling. Okay, excellent. So check out Narrative Arcade. Looks good. Let's go to the next one. I notice eaters. I haven't been on video comments as I'm in the middle of getting a new face. One should never use work provided phones or other harder for personal use. Makes it harder to get arrested for daring to make a joke. One, two, three, four. I declare a meme war. That's freaking me out. In, in case you're wondering, Elon Musk is one of our subscribers and he keeps us updated on the latest Tesla bot. I see. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. Yep. <laughs> We've got one more video comment. Been seeing a lot of parallels between the Dune novels and the <laughs> conflict. What with NATO basically being a decrepit, crumbling empire, which is ruled by a bunch of degenerates obsessed with domestic internal threats rather than combating external threats like the Fremen, or in this case, the Houthis, who, much like the Fremen, sit on a very strategic area where they can essentially point ballistic missiles at most of our oil wells in our Middle Eastern ally countries and bring our entire economy to a halt if they feel like they're going to lose. And that's basically what happened to do as well. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point, actually. Um, Mason says, Gen Xers unite. Um, are you actually a Gen Xer, Justin, or are you just having a bad early, day? Oh, early millennial, yeah. I mean, oh, I'm right. right on the border, 81, so oh, quite okay. close with you. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I'm 79. Yeah, right. so. Uh, Call Wizard says, you got me, Carl, with your little may I just distract you from your YouTube video to sell you posters from them. They look great. Well, thank you. And the, the merch store is a great way of supporting us and you get something. And it's not just posters. We've got like, you know, mugs and t-shirts and stuff like that. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, Kevin says, uh, so I've just seen that the cultural enricher who stabbed and killed three people in Nottingham last year has had his charges changed from murder to manslaughter yeah. on the grounds of diminished responsibility due to mental illness. Proof that Britain is not racist if we allow this kind of BS to happen. Well, who was the mentally ill one? Him or the people who decided, yeah, he can come into the country <laughs> and then they point. made no effort, no effort to deport him? Yeah. It was an empath decided by empathy, perhaps. Or, uh, well, yes. yes well, it's quite. just a sacrifice. Lord Nerova on my section says there were literally more feds pretending to be right wing terrorists than actual right wing terrorists. JFK could not be more vindicated. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the point. I mean, you. You've got to wonder, you know, that, that uh, those 82% of hate incidents, if you, if you just took out all of the Fed-inspired ones, how much hate would there actually be in the, uh, yeah, exactly. in, in the U.S.? Rue the Day says, what do you guys, uh, what, why do you guys think the Feds consistently fail to adequately disguise themselves? Um, because they don't understand us, I think, because they, they don't understand where we're coming from, and so they have to do their interpretation of what patriot, patriotic people think. It does, it does look like it's done by committee, doesn't it? Yeah, like we're going to design a Nazi movement by committee. But wasn't there? Was it Jonathan Haidt or something like that? Who, who mm -hmm. there's these experiments that you can run where you ask right wing and left wing yeah, people yeah, yeah. what the other side thinks. Yeah, 
and right-wing people can accurately gauge or, or inter- yeah. in, in, impersonate left-wing people, but the left-wing people can't do it. They just yeah. genuinely don't get where we're coming from at all. Yeah, they have no yeah. idea what you believe. They don't have a frame of reference. I mean, again, everybody's in their silos and they think, oh, yeah, uh, right-wing nationalists, that's it. Yeah, let's put but, the balaclava on. And... That doesn't explain why the right-wingers understand the left-wingers. <laughs> right, you know, maybe, it, yeah, yeah. It, I think there's something genuinely about the way that they think mm. that prevents them from understanding what the right thinks. Mm. Yeah. Um, Rick Archer says that uncharismatic so-called leader of glowing front has a scraggly beard that's either fake or hurriedly grown, wears big sunglasses and a hat to hide your face. Basic field ops for urban camouflage. You know, that did, he, he, <laughs> it did look like a fake beard. Now he says it. Uh, Could be. Yeah, when you look back at it, it yeah. does look kind of fake. Sorry, come yeah, no, you, no, I think you think you're right. Yeah. Um, Bound of Warhawk says, uh, when I'm gone, you just find another monster. They have to because they have to justify their wages. Uh, yeah. And that was apparently said by Dutch van der Lee, which I, I don't get the historical reference, but I'm sure that I'm sure there's uh, a previous bad guy. Uh, but yeah, the, the FBI are always going to need a bad guy. And um, for a while it was. Um, yeah, can you imagine what the FBI report is? Well, we solved all the problems, so we're just cooling, you're kicking back and yeah. chilling at the... We, we, uh, we kick back our budget for next year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Right. Uh, do you want to do some of yours, Carl? Yeah. Um, Alex Ptolemy, in fact, before we go on to mine, says, Patriotic Front really aren't feds. Uh, the most far-right people you can find will tell you so. I'm talking the actual neo-Nazis, not just dissidents. They just look like feds because they're fit and organized. I don't think it's a good move to do what they do, but this they're just feds thing means that the right will never organize because any level of organization is seen as a fed op. Uh, have I ever seen a fed op? They're not that organized. Um, they cover their faces not to lose their jobs. People in prison don't have the worry. The thing is, the unmasked ones turned out to be feds. Yeah. So I'm just saying, you know, uh, I'm not sure I agree with that. No, I no, I think they're feds. I, th- I think I think they yeah. blow pretty hard. Uh, Robert says, I work with a black Jamaican engineer who holidays in Tanzania over Christmas. He loves it. However, he knows they know that he isn't from there. He won't be settling down there. They see him as a rich man. And he told me that the second any of the locals think they are getting the uh, bad end of the stick, they'll probably unalive him and take his stuff. Jesus. <laughs> Wouldn't so, surprise me. Derek says, the irony of those, uh, that those African countries detest those of African ancestry who were born and raised in the West. Because they are the ones who have the romantic notion of what Africa is, and the natives are like, uh, who are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard says, third world problems, first world delusion and prices. Uh, Stuart says, Blacksit, isn't that just a woke version of colonization? I mean, you're literally just taking westernized people to Africa and expecting them not to start ghettoizing parts of African nations. Mm. Give them 18 months before they're chased off of burning pitchforks. Makes a good 18 point. months. That's a great optimistic. point, actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that's literally what happened in Liberia. Mm. So it's just like, ew. Um, uh, Bongoon says, my honest reaction to that UN report was, uh, who asked that cancerous and useless organization anyway? Mm. Kevin says, Stormzy and Raven are right. Britain is racist. Their mistake is that believing the racism is against black and brown people, when in fact it is the black and brown people who are racist against the whites. It's not even that. It's the institutions that are racist against the whites. Mm. Um the trouble with that is just how many white people, politicians, and police at the top of the pile are racist against white people. Oh, well, yeah. You, you, you got there as well. But they're kind of getting bored by it. They're moving on to the rainbow dildo now. You know, that, that's, that's the yeah. new coolness this week. Yeah, but it'll just become like, like uh, the other guy said. Like the, it'll just become a normal thing that, okay, a black guy stabs three English people to death. Yeah. And it's well, just part and parcel of living in, in modern Britain. He, he couldn't help it. He, you know, he was mentally infirm. Yeah. Um, 
Thomas says, I'll say it before I say it again, Britain makes the worst racists. Ah, yes, but when you say worst, they, you mean most effective. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do the it, state of the it, it's, it's a bit like when people said that Harold Shipman is the worst serial killer. It's like, well, no, he's surely the best. But, yeah, he's the most popular. Yeah. You've got to get your term on this right. Um, so we, 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 we're close on time, but we do a couple from the state of the UK. Um, the real Bigfoot says, me and my missus are both waiting to buy our first home, but we were unsure if we will wait for a collapse, which feels both inevitable and like it will never come, biting the bullet before it gets worse. Well, that's the other thing. Guys like you and me really struggle with, Justin. It's, it's when is this going to collapse? going to come. I mean, I view it through the prism of that the collapse already occurred in 2008. And yeah. Just waiting for it to become obvious to everybody. Mm. Um, for, for basically people to say, we're not going to take your credit anymore. But how long that will be, we don't, yeah, who knows? we don't know. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a difficult one. I, I used to give this talk um, where I'd end it with um, a picture of a, a guy in the, um, the German Women Republic pushing his, his salary home on a wheelbarrow. Yeah. It's like, well, why are you still... Isn't it obvious to you? But we've we got to get to that point where people just like turn over their wheelbarrows and say, yeah, I'm not playing this game anymore. Yeah, They're absolutely. still playing the game. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just a bomb. Um, and we probably run out of time, actually. So yeah. Yeah, we we might have to sign off there. Anyway, well, on that note, then, if you want more from Justin, where can we find you, Justin? Yeah, I'm on Sub Substack. Uh, yeah, I tend to put all my writing there. So uh, yeah, it's uh, dissident domain. Um, yeah, you can uh, find me there. You can find me on X as well mm-hmm. under the handle Nomad. So uh, at Stevie G forever, right? Yeah, sorry, football reference. This is before I was political, politically engaged. Right, um, right, okay. So that's uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Something radicalized you then? Yes, uh, that's that's right. Yeah, I kind of uh, went down the rabbit hole, and uh, yeah, yeah, here I am <laughs> to stay. So uh, any yeah. such cases? Yeah. Oh, great! So, uh, Thanks so much for coming in and uh, doing that last segment. That it's really been great. great. Yeah, I've uh, enjoyed it a lot, and uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, great. Thanks for um, so if you want more from us, of course, go sign up at the website. Five pound a month keeps the lights on because, of course, we're demonetized everywhere. We'll go check out merch store and we will see you tomorrow. Have a great day, folks. Cheerio, chaps. Bye.